welcome to another edition of Look Who's Talking, all the latest news about the life of Christchurch, New Malden. I'm Anna Larkin, and here on the show this month, I have regular Stephen Kurt. Hello. And Nathan Larkin. Hey there. And we're joined by a special guest this month, caretaker of Christchurch, David Taylor. Hello. In this month's show, we'll be looking at a number of subjects. Um, We'll have a look at the focus on the worldwide church that we had during all of our services in September. We will also be talking about the farewell to our curate, Luke Wickings, who left us to become Vicar of St. Paul's in Hook. In addition to this, we will talk about the current exciting progress with the building project. And then with David here, we'll talk about what's involved in the important role of caretaker here at Christchurch. And finally, we'll be looking at what's coming up in the preaching programme for October. But let's begin by looking back at September, and in particular the focus that we've had at all of our services on the worldwide church. In the morning services at both 9.30 and 11, this took the form of preachers um, speaking about what we have to learn from the churches in Africa, in India, Peru and Papua New Guinea. And then at 6.30, we had different preachers talking about being called to serve God in Athens, Bangladesh, Sierra Leone and South America. So, Stephen, if I come to you first, why did we have this overdose on the worldwide church? Well, what happened was that my uh, elder brother, Martin, who's a vicar in Aylesbury, had links with a, uh, a guy in India called Kieran Paul, who runs an orphanage linked to a church that his father is the minister of. And uh, my elder brother asked me if we can have Kieran over to preach at Christchurch. And particularly because in September, when things start off afresh... Um, I didn't want to have too many sort of one-offs breaking up a series. I then thought, well, we'll have a uh, month-long focus on the Worldwide Church. Mm. And uh, Luke Wickings had been out to uh, uh, Africa not long before. And so that's why we had Luke preaching uh, at the start of September on learning from the church in Kenya, followed by Kieran Paul coming, learning from the church in India. And then I asked Carolyn Lucas to preach on learning from the church in Peru. That's where her parents were missionaries, where she was born and lived, I think, to the age of about 12. Uh, And then Tom Collins has recently come back from New Guinea. Yeah. And so he finished off uh, that month in the morning talking about learning from the church in Papua New Guinea. And that then made me think, well, we ought to have something similar in the evening. Hmm. And Mercy Tate was about to go out to Athens um, and so we, so really, I think from that point, I thought, well, we have a series called "Call to Serve God Overseas." Mercy talked about "Call to Serve God in Athens." And then then Josh it all Evans kind of fell into place, didn't it? It did. Yeah. Uh, Josh from Bangladesh. Um, yeah. And um, you know that uh, all followed from there. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't, you know, as as always, Anna and I are out with the kids in the morning, so we didn't hear any of the morning talks, but was there for. 6.30 and uh, yeah it was a really special evening I thought Mercy's commissioning yep. and yep. Um, hearing yeah that was lovely yeah just mm. hearing was, how yeah, she's major. been preparing yeah. and, and uh, God's been preparing her yep. and, uh, and the incredible work that she's going to be involved with and, yep. and there's just a real sense of especially when the whole church came together um, not just one or two but the whole church came up to the front uh, to pray with her yep. and it, it really felt like not just one one member from Christchurch off mm. to do this but but us all together in this that it was it was something mm. that um, we're partnered with her in and yeah. that, that well that was actually the following week wasn't it because Mercy preached oh, yes, on Called to Serve God in Athens the week, the week after. before 
And didn't we have someone else who talked about overseas mission as well? And we've had Rachel Cook, who's given a bit of an input yeah. uh, this last Sunday. And so it was the week that Josh spoke on going to yeah. Bangladesh that we also commissioned Mercy to go to Because that was the week she left, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Was, yeah. 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 yeah, which was also, you know, Josh it was fantastic, you know, just yeah. uh, as articulate and clear uh, a message of kind of why he felt that God calling him to yeah. go and serve. And, and I think really challenging as well. You know, I, I think he mentioned um, one of the things that really struck me was, you know, that we face living in the West, we face ethical decisions all the time about uh, how we shop, how, how we use transport, where we get our clothes from, you know, all, all of these things that face us all the time. But they're kind of presented as, you know, moral dilemmas. What do we, you know, we either do it or don't. Or, you know. And he said he wanted to meet people that put a face to these oh, problems yeah. so yeah. that, you know, when, when he decides whether to get a bus or whether to drive or where he's going to buy his clothes from, that he knows that the impact of mm-hmm. his decisions will be changing the lives of his friends, not just some random people across the world where yep. global warming or slavery or these other things um, change. Yep. So, yeah, it was really admirable. So David, you were um, you were present at all of the talks, weren't you? Because you know, were at yeah. the, yeah, the was, yeah. 11 o'clock service. <coughs> yeah. So you've, <laughs> you've had the full compliment. What did you think? What I, really I struck you? Kieran Paul, it was an amazing testimony. I think his background was a Hindu extremist or something. And Is that right? And, and mm. then uh, his conversion from that to, to Christianity it was a bit like the Apostle Paul, really, sort of wow. c- turn around from, from being a totally anti-Christian to suddenly realising that he was completely wrong and, and, and uh, yeah. needed to change his life. And, and then the, the dramatic effect that that had upon what he did for the, you know, for the, during the rest of his time was just extraordinary, really. And I thought, mm. wow, you know, that, I mean, we need more folk like that. Yeah. He yeah. runs this amazing yeah. orphanage <coughs> in, uh, in India and they're under really big pressure. Um, and he was he was making clear how how difficult the government make it mm. uh, for the orphanage that is running, and he's he's really quite up against it. So, yeah. and yeah. I think that was quite inspiring <laughs> for people at nine thirty, which was where I heard him speaking, as well as at eleven o'clock. Um, totally different type of speaker to the sort of speaker that most people are uh, experience, and both him telling his story and saying what he's currently doing in India mm. uh, was amazing. But I mean, what you see is the growth of the church from the bottom up sort of thing. And uh, it seems to be like, sort of the Dalits and the, these sort of untouchables, as they're, they're called. And, and, mm. uh, and similarly in Papua New Guinea, I mean, Tom Collins talking about how I think his dad went in when there's hardly any Christians there and set up yeah. that sort of new uh, Christian area in, in a, a part which had, didn't even realise that the Second World War had taken place sort of thing. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and now there's vast numbers of Christians th- throughout Papua New Guinea and he's working at a theological college to help to develop their sort of theological training and things and and, mm. and the, the way in which they they were welcomed everywhere they went and and it was just in a single generation the change and uh, caroline lucas talking about uh, down down in um in peru peru that's right peru yes they have a pot you know the evangelical population is up to about 18 uh, percent or something and and and, and uh, no 12 percent i think it was sorry 12 percent having been about nothing and in the 1930s or something. Okay. Yeah. So all over the world, you're seeing these transformations in sort of rural societies or from, yeah. from the bottom up in India. And, and you see what God is doing all over the world. It's just, just really exciting. And then to actually have that world site just for a whole month looking at different parts of the world. Unfortunately, different parts of the world yeah. as well, yes. wasn't it? Yes. You know, we went yes. from Africa to India to South America to the That's right. Oceania yes. or whatever. Yes. Uh, yes. Papua New Guinea yes. is in. Yes. yes. Now, I think we have the, these... 
opportunity. I mean, we're, we're going to be talking about the the the, uh, the people who are refugees and things from from Syria yeah. and elsewhere. And I was watching television last night, and these people who were they'd, they'd filmed them over five years, uh, and from have after they'd fled from Syria, and, and they were now in in France, and actually probably quite well off compared to many of these uh, these refugees. But they ha- had no idea why they were alive, or nobody wanted them. They seemed to think, what is the purpose of life? So we actually, as a church, have got these tremendous opportunities, just like we've been seeing with the the, the people that were uh, being sort of. Uh, preaching during the, during September of to actually reach people who why are we here you know this yep. yeah. existential angst of you know what does life mean and, yep. and, and it would be an enormous challenge for the church for, for, for the refugees and things but it's good to mention that actually isn't it, it? Yeah. it's good to mention about Khaled yeah. and the because that's been part of a it's been a busy fall, couple of months yeah that's fallen <laughs> nicely into place though with an emphasis on the worldwide church yeah. Yeah. and yeah. Anna you better you better tell us about why you felt particularly strongly about it and got us organized to uh, send mm. the stuff to the Calais refugees and <laughs> yeah. the people well, I elsewhere. Think like like everyone really, um, I had just seen a lot on the news and um, they've had sort of more and more footage lately and it all just looks so desperate. And so like many people, I was sitting at home thinking, you know, it's horrible, it's horrible to watch it all, but what can we actually do? These people for the first time were m- much closer to home um, particularly in the camp in Calais, you know, ov- only two hours away from here, which made it feel much, much closer to home than when you watch footage of things that are happening on the other side of the world. Yeah. And so I thought, well, there must be a way to do something, you know, there must be a way to help. And it was um, only on Facebook then that I came across a group called Calade, which, again, had been set up by people just like me who had been watching the news and wondering what could be done. Was it a bunch of students, the first, very first group? Uh, There were definitely students among them. It wasn't a student group, but yeah, just lots of people who thought, you know, it's not, it's not enough for us to just sit here and feel concerned at home and not do anything. You know, we really Mm. want to try and mobilize people and try and make a difference. Um, So they started um, encouraging people to volunteer to collect donations in their local area. Um, and they made a few contacts in Calais. They found some storage um, facilities in Calais, very close to the camp, and then started taking things over, um, storing them there, and then distributing them within the camp. And as they got to know people living in the camp, um, some of the the refugees themselves began to help. Um, uh, and it was only when people started to go in and, and you know, the help became better organised that they were able to even do things like, you know, carry out a sort of census, find out exactly how many people there were, um, you know, what sort of ages were they, where had they come from, um, all those kinds of things, and w- ask them what is it that you need so that they could get the word back to here. Um, so, so they started circulating lists of, of all the things that were desperately needed. So the most obvious things were obviously sh- shelter, so tents, tarpaulins and things like that, and then warmth, so um, coats, sleeping bags, and blankets. it was men's stuff that you Mainly men's, wanted, yes, didn't it? Simply because in the camp in Calais, which they were able to, to work out by carrying out this sort of unofficial census, um, men outnumbered women 10 to 1. Mm. Um, and so there were very few women and um, and very few children as well. Although they have um, more recently had, you know, sort of boys of about 12 or 13 who have arrived in the camp. So they've started a separate camp in, in Calais um, called the Jules Ferry Camp, which is for women and children. So they've separated them, you know, for their own safety and to, to make it easier to help them. 
Um, and they and that means again that they're able to really target the donations that they're taking, make sure they're getting to the right people. So we had an amazing response here at I mean, Christchurch. Our garage was filled nearly twice over. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> rammed. Yeah, really, really full. So it was just really fantastic, and a big thank you to to everybody who mm. donated. Well, but I, I remember seeing photos of of the place you took them to, and if your garage was full twice over, this warehouse. Oh <laughs> yes, it was yeah, enormous. Yeah, incredible. I don't think they and knew it was what hit them. For all of the congregations, wasn't it? It was, the yeah, all the congregations, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Both within Christchurch and also we had people, like Anna had a friend who she hadn't spoken to in about eight years. You went to school with her, yeah. spotted the, the message on Facebook and got in contact and said, can I bring stuff? You know, it was, yeah. it was quite, a, the response was quite yeah. inspiring. So that chilled quite nicely with the rest of the, uh, that could have come at any point, but and I think given that we were that thinking about well. overseas. Yeah, because o- overseas... Uh, is is both something that you know we've got people going away to do, but also we've got the overseas coming to us as well here, yeah. and in and London is about as multicultural as it gets, and it's mm. it's a big challenge I think the, to the, the church. The, the church can bring a hope and joy in, in, in hopeless and, and and joyless situations. I mean, you're talking about them setting up a cinema in Calais or something. Yes, yeah, they've got I, a, I a cinema's been set some up. Some special films or something. Yeah, they're yeah. showing um, yeah. children's films. Right. So um, obviously they're. <laughs> fun for people of all ages but then mm. you can guarantee there's not going to be any upsetting content so yeah, yeah they're yeah. showing children's films and um, another movies, lady yeah um, <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> another lady has set up a library she's called it jungle books yeah. um, in the jungle camp in calais and it's not just got books for people to borrow it's all she's also got a few computers that have mm. internet as mm. well mm. so people are able to use the internet to you know, communicate with family who are miles and miles away from them. So it's making a really big difference. Yes. It's great. Well, I, I hear that, for example, the Iranian church in Britain apparently is growing astronomically or something, and the, the, all of the Iranian diaspora who in Iran would be impossible really to ha- have a church, but in, in Britain. And, and the effect of that, who knows what it will be mm. in coming generations, and, yeah. and perhaps we'll see the same again with Syria. And I mean, it must have been a very difficult country to 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 be a Christian in, and and, and yeah. now they are on our doorstep. And and how do we as a church bring hope and joy and the, all the things that they've been missing for decades Absolutely. into these people's lives? Yeah, so I think that's the next thing we need to think about. Is that, as you said, at the moment they are quite literally on our doorstep. Many of mm. them are in Calais. Mm. Um, but once the doors are opened um, and refugees start arriving here, obviously that's a, a very different challenge in how we go about making people welcome, yes, helping yes. them to, to start building a life from scratch, really. But what's so good about Christchurch is the way we welcome people. I mean, the grapevine lunch is an example of that. We just sort of have people who anybody can come to lunch first Sunday of, of the month and, and they're given a fantastic welcome and it's as if they were part of the family. Mm. And people, people probably haven't got family by and large and, and, and they're just made to feel that they belong. And, and hopefully that's a, a way into thinking, well, why, why are you doing this? You know? yeah. and, and, and so, uh, I don't know. Anyway, mm. yeah. Um, Well, if we move on now um, to talk about Luke Wickings, sadly, Luke has now moved on. He's um, he's moved on to another church. Should be clear that he's just gone to another church. (laughs) 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 He hasn't passed on. No, he's moved on, not passed on. Quite local, quite local. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he's not actually gone very far away. He's become vicar of St. Paul's in Hook. Um, so his his last sermon was the one that w- that we just talked about on learning from the church yep. in Africa. Mm. Um, there was a big goodbye party uh, for him on the on the Saturday night before he left. Um, but um, David 
first, before we speak about the, the party, if I come to you first, Luke was most particularly involved with the 11 o'clock service, That's I think right. it's yes, fair to say. Yes, yes. So um, what what really struck you about Luke and what did you really value about well, his ministry? Well, dy- dynamic here? preaching. I mean, we're mm. a slightly yeah. older congregation, I guess, and to have be brought, brought alive every time he's up in the mm. pulpit and with di- dramatic illustrations and, and, and the very exciting preaching. He's a person who loves the gospel and, and, mm. and is, is, is keen to impart that to, to us. It certainly wouldn't fall asleep in, yes. in Luke's no. sermons. No, with, no, with Luke at the front, you can't really yeah. tune out, can yeah. you? It's no, impossible. Definitely can't tune out. <laughs> and that was great. I, mean, I, must, I used, it was a school RE teacher, and I would love to have been a, a pupil in one yeah. of his, his classes <laughs> and just see how he does it, because yeah. I bet he was a brilliant RE teacher. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. And uh, that would be a great loss to the schools. But, with, uh, a, with a real pastoral focus as well, which probably mm-hmm. is school teaching uh, reinforced as well, because Luke would manage, and I'm sure still does in Hook, to combine very challenging forthright uh, preaching of the best sort with a real wisdom about the fact that uh, life is tough, that we can all make major mistakes, and that we're saved by God's grace. Yes, I think indeed. he got that combination. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing that struck me. Yes. I mean, it's only in the last, yeah. would you say, year that he started preaching at 6.30? Um, uh, well, he, when he first came to Christchurch, I thought I, he, he only had a limited amount of time, busy mm. school teacher. Uh, and so I faced the decision once he started preaching and once he got licensed about whether I spread him over all three services and people yeah. wouldn't have seen him much or whether I directed him to one particular area. And I thought the 11 o'clock service... Uh, which was the one he'd started coming to anyway with Sarah before I realised yeah. that he'd previously been a vicar. Um, that was the one where I decided to majorly deploy him. So he preached there once a month and he led once a month on another service. Um, but he did occasionally do other stuff like the carol service. Well, yeah, because I feel, I feel like he had, he had quite a few sermons in the last year or so at 6.30. I, I broadened it out a bit. He, he, did, he did a couple, I think, at 6.30. But, but yeah, they were memorable. That's, that's the, people yeah, people the remember them because they made an impact. Cause, mm. And, and it, as you said, it was the... Um, the honesty and the vulnerability and yeah that, uh, and actually and he um he shared that as well i mean he was on on here as a guest um yeah and i've had a few people talk to me about that episode where yeah. he came on and, and talked about some of the things that he'd faced in yeah. the past and um and that's always really admirable i think when people are willing to be uh, so publicly um vulnerable and honest yep. and, and he had share a passion for going to the tough places too i mean he, this youth club in london connected with all souls langham place oh, the clubhouse so yeah, yeah. yeah. All, you know he, he just wanted to get involved there and think well like he'd that. say yeah. luke would often say um i mustn't keep talking about him in the past tense because uh, <laughs> he's got an exciting ministry ahead of him but he'd often talk about uh god wanting us to reach the last the least and the lost mm. And although he didn't invent that expression, certainly at Christchurch, it became something that was very much associated with, um, you know, what God had placed on Luke's heart. Mm. And um, and although he was mainly ministering to people who'd been uh, Christians for a long time, which is the majority of our 11 o'clock congregation, what I was very grateful that Luke would often do would be to interpret other parts of Christchurch for people who came to 11, very helpfully. So Luke was a great advocate of the 9.30 service, and he would say to members of 11, you know, when I come into the lounge on a Sunday morning that, you know, it's full of children and young parents, I rejoice. Don't you rejoice? (laughs) We should rejoice, shouldn't we? And he was a great enthusiast (laughs) and galvaniser, and and it it was really good to have someone else's voice advocating the other 
sort of parts of Christchurch. Yeah, I remember he spoke about the aspects. youth work as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and, well, and I, Gandhi, I, all the effort yeah. to figure out what the groups were and have the logos up on the screen, and you know, yeah, I think it, it, yeah. he did. He really, um, and he he did a series of really good. Um, sermons. He did forty sermons during his time really? at Christchurch. <laughs> well, we had a quiz at the uh, at the party for him, and one of the questions, which even he didn't know, I had to have a question <laughs> that he didn't know, was how many times has uh, Luke preached uh, at Christchurch? But he originally just walked in with Sarah, his wife, and uh, I knew that they uh, were fairly established Christians because they sat fairly near the front and they sang. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and after a little while, I discovered that Luke had previously been a vicar and had stopped being a vicar when his, his first marriage broke up. Well, yes, because we weren't actually meant to have him as a curate, were we? Well, no, definitely not as a curate. He no, didn't come I, here as a curate. I, I just popped the question unexpectedly. <laughs> uh, but basically, um, now what happened was I discovered that Luke had been a vicar. Uh, he was a school teacher. Um, and when Luke first arrived, he wasn't necessarily talking about going back to ordained ministry. Um, but I asked him if he wanted to preach, and he did, and it was very clear he had a great gift for preaching. And after a while, I realized that um, Luke was thinking very seriously about returning to ordained ministry. And it was at that point that uh, we asked the bishop to license him as a curate. Mm. And so Luke wasn't with us for a very long time, only about two and a half years, but made a big impact during that time. And... Um, you know, a lot of people are very grateful for his ministry amongst us. Well, he had a passion for bit beyond that as well. I mean, the street children in Umoja. Yeah, Umoja, yeah. yeah. Got, got involved in that initially and things, but I mean, it was an amazing ministry to go to Kenya to help out with these street children in Umoja. And, and yeah, mm. big problems out there with uh, glue-sniffing addiction and various things. Um, and his daughter, Hannah, or Grace, as she prefers to be called, um, she went out there for a significant amount of time and Luke went out to join her uh, for part of the summer. I think he was out there for a month. Yeah, he's been several times, hasn't he? Yeah, I think yeah. And that's why he organised the auction to raise money for it. Which is an incredible occasion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. £4,400. <laughs> it's brilliant, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can probably hear, which uh, is maybe a good link to the, <laughs> to the next <laughs> point that we're going to talk about in the background. Sorry about any background noise. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so just building. before we, we talk about the building project, um, just a big, big farewell, final farewell to Luke and to Sarah. It's brilliant to have both of them. Yeah, here, right? I actually great. met Sarah before I met Luke. I met Sarah on the Alpha course, yep. um, however many years ago that was, maybe three years ago yes. now uh, so quite a long time ago so it was brilliant to have them here but we are really excited for their their new chapter of life in, in St Paul's Hook and we um, we hope they settle in very very quickly so now the building project yes <laughs> you can hear it <laughs> all yes, around I, us. I feel like something might be about to be lowered onto we are our recording heads yeah, <laughs> of the building site yeah. uh, yes so it, it is really really exciting that the building project is now underway I think it was in our very first edition of look who's talking um, that we covered the demolition of the old vicarage yep which um, we took part in didn't yes we? how we were yep. allowed to help out in oh, the yeah. in the bulldozer yeah. yep um, and the health and safety people mustn't know that no <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. Stephen did announce this <laughs> during a meeting with the health and safety officer that he'd been part of the bulldozer yes yes there's an even bigger one now but we're not allowed on them because Stephen blabbed oh 
Um, so although there have been a few a few delays since then, um, the work is finally fully underway. So the car park is now closed. Uh, the builders' cabins have been set up, and then we've got the porter cabins have arrived. And um, so we've got porter cabins to replace the vestry hall where the scramblers meet and the church office. Um, and we, we just moved into the new office this week. And they're very posh, aren't they? I mean, really I, nice. I thought porter cabins would be sort of rather dingy, and but they, they're, they're like mobile homes. No, <laughs> yeah, they're lovely. Yeah. In fact, Giovanni popped in earlier today and he said he wouldn't mind one for his garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've already, we've already had a very excited scrambler come in to have a look around. And, yes, yeah, and, yeah. And Will, Will Tutton right, was right. Uh, showing us around. Yep. His, his new scramblers room so yeah that's that um it's good that we're not the only ones who are excited yeah, i haven't had a session but you are the main one who's excited Anna, which <laughs> yeah. yes yes that's probably fair to say okay is it it's your first full the second full day in the office yeah the office is right. brilliant yeah is we it? really okay. love it yeah. it's uh, much more user-friendly now that we have internet in there and oh, electricity oh, yeah. oh, good. So what, good. <laughs> yeah, what do you particularly value about your new office then anna it's really nice and warm compared yep. with uh, the old uh, one the old one was very very drafty and a bit cleaner as well yeah it's a lot cleaner and the, no, the I carpet isn't held on by sellotape yes that's true <laughs> yeah yeah, they, yeah it's a, a new carpet <laughs> no holes or anything um and although i haven't been able to use it yet uh because of a, a leak and the water being turned off but there is a sink in there so we'll be able to make tea inside the office we won't have to oh, you yeah. know go okay. through two yeah. different locked doors and a yep. warren yeah. of corridors yeah. to get yeah. to the nearest kettle excellent so, uh, yeah, no, we really, really love it. It's really nice, really bright, nice, shiny, everything's new. Good. But yeah, I think there's a, just a, a real buzz around the place, you know, now that we've been waiting yeah. for this for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, about as long as I've been at the church, this has been Ten years I've been in about. planning wow. meetings yeah. about. No, actually, not quite as long as that. Since 2006, I've been in planning meetings, or 2007, I think. Not far yeah, after. I mean, yeah. I, I was actually talking to someone recently about how, how long it took to get this off the ground, and uh, he said, oh, that's nothing. And I thought, that's nothing? What? It's like 10 years? He says, um, he, he attends Pearly Baptist Church, and he said, mm. we've been 25 years waiting for the planning permission yeah. for ours. Yeah. So, hey, we're, we're, we're on the way. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. That's where they've got the original pearly gates i think (laughs) (laughs) they're very heavily protected Well, no, a great, great team doing it. I mean, Andrew really comes along to the, the Tuesday evening sessions. Yeah, yeah Andrew is the yeah. sort of chief builder, yeah. head honcho. Yeah. Uh, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's, he's been really helpful. The Christian course. He also yeah. he gets chocolate for me and Elizabeth as Does well. Does he? Yeah. Oh. So, right. uh, so we really like him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got Roger, the architect. Yeah. yeah. Who he's is a very great. inventive guy. Has yeah. devised the whole scheme. So, yeah. And then um, let's not forget the other Roger, who was really helpful. Roger Perrin and Michael Parker and Paul Longstone were fantastic. At helping us yeah. to move into the office. I was amazed how quick that move was. I thought, by yeah, they were great. They just turned yeah, up with a load of tools, dismantled everything. When we yeah. got everything out of the office and and put it into yeah. the porter cabin, Moved and it was quite hard work. I mean, moving those filing cabinets, yeah, which really are heavy. sufficiently old-fashioned enough not to be able to take the drawers out. Michael Parker's done his back in, so he's oh, holding his commitment no. to the cause. Yeah. 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 And Roger's very good at the whole. Roger Perrin's very good at the whole sort of technical thing, isn't he? Of taking yeah. those desks apart and putting them back together. Yeah, yeah, no, all the right great. tools. Uh, it was just lovely yeah. to, to be part of everyone high, working high together, organized. getting it all. Yeah, it was uh, a good day. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good day. Fortunately, good weather. If it had poured with rain, we might have might had a problem. Yeah, quite that would, yeah. Have, been, yeah. That would yeah. have been sad. Yeah. But no, it's great because, I mean, um, as I say, there's just a real buzz. It's been 
long time coming and, and you know the young people as well I've talked to them about it for years and they're the, the <laughs> finally, finally learning <laughs> yeah. to trust yeah. their youth most of them are in their now yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, yeah, I think they just thought I was making it up so yep. yeah it's just quite nice to mm. be able to prove that it is happening yeah. but we do have you know the, uh, the building work also starting across in the parish halls which oh after the flood <laughs> yeah, yeah after the flood I think we covered on the show Luke was on didn't we yeah, yeah. so that's yeah. about what yeah. three or three months ago three months. that it yep. happened and yeah. it's been such a long time but it's going to be carpeted freshly carpeted or something yeah well complete new floors put down Upstairs, yeah. so uh, yeah, it's, and I think it's some new furniture as well for yep. replacing it's the furniture. Much that got bigger job taking up the old carpet than they realized, I think. Cause yeah, it's two lots of plywood down yep. there, and, and it's all. So, so we've got workers there. We, yeah, we've got workers it's all there. Right now, as we speak, and then we've got a quinner uh, putting up the new houses on the bit of the vicarage land that was sold. Yeah, Indeed. so we've got workers yeah. all over the place. Yes, yeah, yeah. drains and gone, which yeah. means we've ended up doing youth work in a tent in the garden for a temporary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had a tabernacle. Good on Sunday mornings. And then this this Sunday we are saying goodbye to the vestry hall, aren't we? We are. We are decommissioning the vestry hall in the office. The vestry hall. The vestry hall was put up in 1966, which was the hundredth anniversary of Christchurch. And I'm told that Llewellyn Roberts, who was affectionately known as Uncle Lou, who was the vicar between 1958 and 1968, was a one-man committee, and apparently he just did it all by himself which is partly why we've got that very small kitchenette, a man, only a man would have uh. put that in. Um, <laughs> but it did mean that when the lounge was built uh, a few years later, I think that's the reason we've got the whopping big kitchen. I think uh. it was in reaction to the kitchenette okay. uh, in the 60s extension. But the vestry hall has served us really well. For years, the creche was in there, and uh, the creche had originally been in the room where the office is, which was called the Holly Room. And Lily Lowcock and Jesse can't remember her surname, ran the, uh, the creche for years in the Holly Room. Then it moved to the Vestry Hall, and it was um, run by Mary Gretton, I think, for oh. a long time. And um, the Vestry Hall for the last few years has been used by scramblers yeah. on a Sunday morning, but it's also used for PCC meetings by the Even Blind more Club. as well. Even more uses it. And it's been a very useful part of the church because it's sort of separate from the rest of yeah. the buildings. And linked to the back garden. Yeah, it's yeah, nice being able to go out to the garden. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And it stood for 49 years. Bit of a shame it hasn't made it to the big 5-0. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, on Sunday, um, when we have harvest and after the harvest shared lunch, I thought I'd take people down to the vestry hall and we'd just say some prayers and thank God for everything that's gone on yeah. though because we are yeah. so lucky in our buildings mm, absolutely and i think it was you anna who turned up the dedication service from 1966 for it i think elizabeth oh elizabeth it, yeah. found it. so i'm going to yeah. use some of the same prayers that were used in 1966 when it was put up the year we won the wow, we world cup <laughs> yep no way oh yeah oh yeah it's amazing what turned up in the big move <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah and uh, but it will also be a chance for people who remember llewellyn roberts to pay tribute to him he died in 1984 yeah. Um, he got ordained in 1918, and uh, he was quite a character. I think the first thing he ever did was tell people off at Christchurch. I'm told that he was appointed, and he came into a choir practice and told everyone they were being far too noisy. And he said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm your new vicar. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good line. Yeah. So, yeah, but Uncle Lou was quite well known, and I know a lot of uh, clergymen who will tell me their Uncle Lou stories uh, about this guy, Llewellyn Roberts. Mm. Oh, so yeah, so we say goodbye on Sunday, and then I think it's going to be demolished next week. Yeah, it's already been partially demolished the after the photocopier got stuck in the door. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah, it was so, like Henry Ford with Model Two. We had to smash the wall down to yes. get the photocopier out. <laughs> <laughs> but that was all right. It was going anyway. Yep. 
So speaking of um, smashing walls down, I think this moves us on to David's role right. here. Christchurch <laughs> caretaker. I don't imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to. They wouldn't be too happy. So, uh, so David, you've been caretaker since 1999. That's is that correct. right? 1999. Yes, yes. I started um, then. How did you get the job? Oh no! In fact, before we do that, yes. you've had. Quite a lot of jobs before that, uh, hadn't yes, you? Yes, I have, yes. So yes. you were a teacher. I was a teacher a long time ago, yes. Yeah, yes, and th- that yes. was your first job. My first was job. Yes. Yeah, so what, what did you do in between being a teacher right. and uh, being caretaker well, here? When I was a teacher, we used to get Christian films uh, around schools and things like that, and uh, it, it turned out to be really quite popular and, and, and successful. So the people, person who was running the Christian film company said, would I like to come and work for them? And we've got the Jesus film into cinemas all around the country, getting lots of schools along and churches and things, and did very well at the box office. Mm. So, so yeah, in fact, that was a success. You, you took E.T. out of number one, is we that right? We took E.T. out of number one in one or two cinemas, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we did indeed. No small feet. So, uh, the cinemas are very happy indeed. Did you say, I'll <laughs> teach you about a, a, a more important extraterrestrial? <laughs> 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 but sadly, there weren't many more films. Uh, the Billy Graham organisation had one or two films, but, but there wasn't very much for, for cinema use at that time. So, uh, it, but the, the people, the came. film people offered you a job, didn't they, on the back of you... Well, that's right. I worked yeah. full time, full time for for them, get, getting the Jesus film into cinemas around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was in 1984 for about five years. Now unusual for a film to be five years in the cinema. We only had two co- ten copies of the film because they cost about two thousand pounds each. And uh, you get the churches to get planning and things like that. So that it take, takes a while to get it around. And then v- video was just starting to come in. We're talking the days of 16 millimeter film projectors and oh. this sort of thing. And v- video was just beginning to arrive. And of course, people <laughs> wanted videos for ten pounds instead of hiring a 16mm film for £70. Yeah. Suddenly the economics of doing films disappeared and so that was the end of the, the film company, very sadly. And uh, oh. it merged with a Christian publisher called Scripture Press. And so, uh, so we went, went, I went over to Scripture Press. We're up in Amersham. It was an enormous commute from here to Amersham every day. But uh, they were going to move, so I thought well, there's no point moving until I know where they're going to move to. But uh, sadly they went, went broke. So, uh, so then I got a job as... Uh, at, at Kingston Hospital as an as a orderly there. Very, very happily doing that until one day I, I was hoovering the, the church and, and Stuart Downey happened to be in the church office. He said, oh, you couldn't just come in a moment. I just want to have a little word with you. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this, this caretaker job, have you thought of applying for it? Because Len, Len Neeming was retiring and I said, well, not, no, I hadn't really thought of it. Said, well, w- would you like to think about applying for it? So I said, oh, uh, all right then. So, so I did and prayed about it. So well, yes, probably it'd be a good idea to try that out. So I gave my notice in at the, uh, the hospital and uh, have been uh, very happily doing the job ever since in yeah. May yeah, 1999. Yeah, 17 <laughs> years. <laughs> 17, 17 years, years yeah. Yeah. oh goodness, yeah, 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 so, uh, yeah, so I really enjoyed it, and it's been, been great, so, uh, so here I am still. Great, <laughs> yeah. so anyway. what does your job involve then, on a, on a day-to-day basis? What, well, the nice thing is it? every day is different, you have to look in the diary, see what's happening, and... and uh, yeah, you have your Monday the, morning briefing with Elizabeth, Monday you? morning briefing with Elizabeth, yep. very, very important, see what, what, what's coming up, and uh, so uh, what we've had this week, we had uh, uh, yesterday, we had, uh, it was uh, a funeral, of course, uh, uh, 
of, of Roy of, Muge. Of Roy yeah, Muge. Yeah. Yeah. Roy Muge. Which was very, very sad. But at the same time, there was a, a booking we had for a, um, a, a, a block of flats over the road. So they have their annual general meeting, and this was happening at exactly the same time as a funeral. So <laughs> you were running between the two, like well, well, no, no, I just had to make sure they were all set up. Hi, <laughs> I, I can leave Actually, you to it. <laughs> just for a moment, just a little bit of a side issue to, um, well, not a side issue, but to pay tribute to Roy and Joe Muge, uh, who were, you know, members of this church for Indeed, a long time. Yes, from 1967, yes. they joined Christchurch, and were very faithful members of Christchurch. And Joan died in June, and we had her funeral then. Roy died last week, I think, or the week before, and we had his funeral yesterday. Um, mm. But at funerals, you have quite a lot of work to do, don't you, David? Because you basically get the, the undertakers to come in and you tell people yes, to stand, don't you? And you right, operate yeah, the sound yeah, desk. Yeah, that's that's, right, that's yeah. quite an important part try, of it. Try your... to make sure the flowers don't fall off the top of the coffin as it yeah. goes through there. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a, the undertakers come in <laughs> yeah. and they have to lower the yeah, coffin, coffin down and yeah. David points <laughs> to the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so yes, anyway, and so that's that's what's one of the one of the jobs. The blind club, of course, they come in fortnightly and uh, they uh, occupy the uh, room at the back, or they were occupying the room at the back. They're going to have a surprise next time they come in. I think they're going to pre presumably be in the lounge. I don't know. So uh, yeah, well, maybe yeah. So and and birthday parties. And yeah, sort of and quite a lot of clerical work, isn't there? People may not know oh, it, that's true, uh, yes, that yeah. actually the old job of a verger, long before parish administrators, was was also to fill in all the. Uh, the, the records yes, and send yes. stuff off to the registry yes. into the so just as well you have such lovely handwriting yes, I, was that a requirement of the job well uh, they did ask me to handwrite my applications that was uh, so curriculum oh. vitae plus I hit yep. handwritten I said is that your normal handwriting I said yes well that's all right then. Yep. <laughs> oh. yep. so anyway yeah, I remember Stuart yeah. first telling me about you uh, when I oh, came as curate yeah, right. and him saying oh, he's got a very good handwriting and he's one of our best readers in church as well I remember one occasion we, we had some people down from Liverpool for campaigners and there was a, a sort of regional well not regional but a sort of a campaigner group and so, so they're here for Sunday and we, we so we, we got them to interact some some one of one of the readings about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and so one one of them was Shadrach, one of them, so I, I was actually doing the reading, but they had to do the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego bits, and it worked <laughs> extremely well. And they, they loved it. These Liverpool people. <laughs> course, that's, the, that's the other thing that David does an enormous amount of is is with the youth work. It's not just setting things up for the groups that we run. Yeah. He's actually at yeah, a lot of. A bit like a vicar's wife is the sort of unpaid youth work. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> and children's work are on a Sunday I, I, as well. I would, I you would, do climbers. Okay, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> climbers you do, and midweek you you basically urban nights. You yeah, do, absolutely. You? I, wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't dare pay football. They're all so, so brilliant at it. Happily watch them. Well, you no, you have, we've covered this before, actually, David. You have some movement called the David. The David. Uh, where I, occasionally what? you'll pop really? in and just give it a little. Oh, oh a little yeah, 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 yeah. Unfair advantage, one side or the other. Setting up for groups is quite a big job, actually. I mean the. The, the 9.30 service, there's all those tables for the children right down at the front. Um, the band has to be set up. And, mm. and, and then on Sunday afternoon, you set up for the cafe style and 6.30, that, don't right, you? Yes, that's and that's quite a big, yes, it's a big Very job. pleasant to be able to do that, listening to Premier Radio and things like that. And mm. it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, of course, that, we gave you a radio, didn't it's you? It's a wonderful We gave David a radio. radio for his... Uh, a DAB radio. Uh, for his <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been well Dude. used, I can tell you. It's not just setting up for church events either is it because there, there's actually quite a lot of outside bookings that, there are that yes, birthday parties yes yeah and, shows, um, yes, and yes. sometimes careers fairs job you know 
Kingston Borough highs from us. We had a Dalek in the front of the church on one occasion. So actually, those are really big ones. That's right. But the really big ones, if people think the carol service is probably the biggest service that we have in church, actually it's not. The biggest service we have in church is when the entire school comes down, either at the end of term or for coming up this Friday for harvest. And so you've got that plus parents, so the lounge and the church. And sometimes at the end of the summer term, even the back of the church, you've got 60 children behind where the pulpit normally goes. Yeah. And they're wonderful events, aren't they? Big dudes, yeah. I mean, we have, I don't know how many people do we have in the church on those occasions, 600? I would guess so, yes, yes, yes. And the church, the school do it very well indeed. I mean, they sort of plan things and they have a theme to each occasion. They've done very well. And it's being available a lot of the time, isn't it, the job of caretaker? It's one where, um, you know, there are just lots, it strikes me anyway, there are lots of things where people suddenly want to know the answer to something and, you know, as the person yeah, who's in yeah, the buildings yeah. all day long, you yeah. know. Well, the, the nice thing is it can be a bit flexible because very often if you've got to take somebody down at the end of an evening service and then get had something else ready for nine o'clock in the morning, you're doing that late at night which means that you've got the daytime off and you can go off and do something else go to a matinee or something like that and yep. so mm-hmm. so it, the flexibility of it is 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 uh, i thoroughly enjoy i must say it's yeah. not mm-hmm. a, not like a monday to friday nine to five job at all mm-hmm. so, yeah uh, good uh, well it's it's great all all the many different things you do i think we probably haven't even covered all of them now i'm no. thinking of, <laughs> you know every every time something goes wrong with the building oh, you've got to either fix know. it yourself or find <laughs> someone who can fix it also yeah. all sorts of different yeah. aspects to your yeah. job and you do anyway. A brilliant yes. job of making well, sure everything yeah. is where it's meant to be at yeah. the right time. Putting up posters uh, oh, yes. is yes. a really yes. crucial yes. thing, yes. isn't it? You get those posters down and up. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So we have a big I event at church being a and the poster comes down, <laughs> yeah. you know, that afternoon and something fresh is up. Yeah, well, it's the quality yeah. of those posters, but that's another story. Yeah. 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 Great. Well, if we move on now to our last item on this month's show, which is a look at the preaching programme for October. So over all three of our services in October, we're going to be doing the same sermon series um, on developing a Christian attitude to various subjects and issues. So um, at 9.30 on, well, in fact, we begin with uh, with the United Service for Harvest. That's this Sunday, where we're going to be looking at developing a Christian attitude to food. And Stephen's going to be speaking at that. Um, and then on Sunday evening, Carolyn's going to kick off the um, series at the 6.30 service, um, looking at developing a Christian attitude to mental health. But there are all sorts of issues coming up. We've got um, education, we've got people from different cultures, we've got Halloween, um, growing older, what else have we got? We've got um, uh, developing a Christian attitude to the refugees in Calais mm. coming up and to Islamic extremism. Um, and then more general things, Katie Loffman will be ending this series at 6.30 with um, developing a Christian attitude to the disappointment in our lives. So a really, really big range of things. So Stephen, if we come to you first, um, what is the thinking behind this sermon series? Well, I think we always face the challenge uh, at whatever service that we're going to or wherever we are in our Christian lives of integration. It's very easy for us to have our Christian faith in one area and then our everyday life and the issues that we're facing in another. So the idea of this sort of series across all our services is that we are saying, well, how does our Christianity shape and affect the way in which we approach issues both personal, like our child's education, and broader ones in the world, like the refugee situation in Calais and and, and elsewhere? 
Um, and the hope is that um, we as a congregation will do the hard work of really thinking through afresh how should my Christianity inform uh, my opinions and my assumptions and my, and my actions. Very easy, for instance, uh, with our children's education, uh, for people who are committed Christians to take a very, very secular approach yeah. to their child's mm. education, to not regard it as a particularly Christian question mm. about how they think about it. And I think that's the challenge of lo- the whole series, really, isn't it? Yep. It's, it's a lot of these things are things that see, may seem obvious to some, but the others may seem like Christianity has to do with yeah. this, you know, uh, and... And it does, you know, yep. every aspect of our life, we're so tempted to box, yep. uh, compartmentalize. And I've and tried to choose ones that will particularly apply to those congregations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, developing a Christian attitude towards Halloween at the 9.30 service, a lot of people with young children. Mm-hmm. How do we handle that? Do, do, we, do we ask any questions about it at all? I think there's quite a temptation with Halloween for us just not to ask any awkward questions. Yeah. Um, and I think that can never be right, not to ask questions, whatever our uh, answer in the end to them will be. Um, but at the uh, 11 o'clock service, developing a Christian attitude towards growing older, not everyone is older at the 11 o'clock service, but we have quite a lot of people in their 70s and 80s. And there is a distinctively Christian approach to growing older, and, it, and it's good to think about what that might be. Um, so, yeah, it should be an exciting an exciting series. Yeah. I remember John Stotts talking about needing to develop a Christian mind to contemporary issues, and I think he actually set up a, a, a reading book of p- p- people who are supposed to read contemporary fiction or contemporary sort of works and just be aware of what was going on in the world at the moment and then uh, discuss together about yep. how that relates to how you think Christianly about what these contemporary mm. writers are saying yeah. and say that that is really important and I, yeah. I guess that's sort of part yeah, of absolutely. that absolutely and I think yeah. John Stott was probably inspired by the same verse I've got in mind which is about being um, you know renewed um, at the yeah, transformation yeah, of our minds yeah, at the start of Romans absolutely. 12 yes. Um, yes. Yes. and I think that's the challenge of Christianity that it's not just that there's uh, some doctrines that we can learn by rote but it's about each of us learning how to apply our faith to the concrete situations that we mm. face. Mm. And mm. so every generation's got to think afresh about how their faith applies to ordinary everyday lives. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think it'll be really interesting, really thought-provoking. So looking forward to it. And of course, looking forward to Harvest as well. Yep. Um, so we're going to have, after the United service at 10 o'clock, there'll be a children's entertainer. There will, Because yep. we're not allowed to call him a magician. <laughs> no, not a sorcerer <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> And then, although he was brilliant last year, yep. I think yes, there was definitely the magic yes, involved. Yes, yes. <laughs> yep, yep, well, you know. It was amazing. They weren't dark arts. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the decommissioning of the vestry hall yeah, and with, the Yeah, with the shared lunch in between. And then, yep, and, and the wonderful thing about this is that um, it's an opportunity for all five strands of Christchurch to come together. Nathan has recently, um, well, designed a logo for the church a long time ago, but it's got the five colours of Christchurch, and recently we've had that yeah. established, haven't we, at the front mm. of church as people mm. come in. Yeah. And when I said to Grapevine members a couple of weeks ago about coming at harvest, and it will be a shared lunch, and I told them what an important part of Christchurch community they were, that did resonate with them. But when I told them that they were part of the logo, and the green bit in the logo was them, yeah. that really made an impact. Mm because uh, symbols are very powerful. And uh, if people don't realize, the red in our logo stands for the 9.30 community, the yellow for 11 o'clock, the blue for 6.30, the green for grapevine, and the purple for our various youth groups, which are a strong part of the community here at Christchurch. So 
at harvest, just like Unity Sunday uh, last July, it's an opportunity for us to come together and to be one people. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And Cheryl Floyd is She's doing, doing a cake. cake. I'm looking forward oh, to yeah. it. She is an amazing uh, uh, cake maker and decorator. <laughs> and uh, Cheryl, uh, her own idea, she, she contacted me and asked for the design to be sent to her. And she's making a cake that we can enjoy as well. So that'll be fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Well, that's all we've got time for this month on Look Who's Talking. But do remember that for more information about Christchurch, you can visit our website, ccnm.org. And we are also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christchurch New Malden. And you can follow us on Twitter at CCNM News. Also, do remember we've talked about um, Josh Evans in Bangladesh and also about Mercy Tite in Athens both of them have got blogs and uh, there are links to their blogs on our Facebook page so if you want to keep up with what they're doing um, then have a look on there but that's all for now see you next month <laughs>